Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. Hey everyone, welcome to yet another solo episode of The Real Story Podcast. I'm so excited to dive into today's conversation about taking a walk with your inner child. Now, for some that might sound somewhat woo-woo or like not something you really ever think about or want to get into, but I wanted to preface this today because I have been doing a ton of deep, deep, spiritual, soulful, nourishing work on myself. And I talk about that a little bit with my meditation practice, my breathwork practice, surrounding myself with healers, with people who are really evolving to a different level of consciousness and returning to their own humanity. So the further I get in this self-examination process, the more I realize that so many of our issues and problems stem from our lack of humanity. And what I mean by that is we have become so distracted and noisy and unclear on what it is that we actually actually really need from what we put into our bodies to how we move our bodies to our sleep routine to the way we move to the work that we do and often the biggest medicinal properties that can heal us and return us to a level of homeostasis really is found, all of those things are found in nature. So exposing yourself to sunlight, you know, eating nourishing foods from the earth or from, you know, humanely raised animals, moving your body with hiking, with yoga, with swimming, you know, just being in integrity with how you actually feel following your own intuition, um, really listening to yourself instead of everybody else. And so it's on this path and this work where I'm, I'm really attempting to evolve back into a human being, if that makes sense, that I stumbled upon a new breathwork practice, uh, a newer breathwork practice for me, and in particular, a meditation slash breathwork called Take a Walk with Your Inner Child. Um, This is the Awaken breathwork practice. That's O-W-A-K-E-N. And it's by two incredible people, um, Hella Winston and Lucas Mack. And they travel all over. Um, A lot of people may have heard of them. They're, you know, very popular uh, with their workshops and and different things that they do. But what I love about their breathwork practice is they really combine meditation, using your voice, using your breath in a very 
a very practiced, calm way. Some of these breathwork practices can seem more focused on performance than on healing, and they're really more about activation, healing, and restoring. Um, but they also use, you know, visualization and movement as well. So I've really found that sound, so using my own voice or listening, um, you know, doing sound healing is so, so beneficial to me, but also movement. So they have one practice where you were really like breathing, but like shaking your body out um, limb by limb for like 25 minutes. And it is incredible for moving stuck energy in your body. I feel like so many of our issues, our health issues, our mental issues, our emotional issues can be traced back to stagnant energy. So I've been really playing around with this practice, which is amazing. And I decided we were we were on vacation um, at the beach, which is another amazing, just an amazing getaway escape for me every single year. We always go to the beach every single year. And every single year I stand in front of that water my feet in the sand, and I feel so grounded and so part of the collective and part of nature. Whereas when I'm at home, and I do have wonderful nature at my fingertips, but I'm often behind a computer or inside, and it's just such a reminder that we are all connected and that nature, if you can constantly go back to nature, that really holds so many amazing answers. But we were on our drive back and we were in, you know, traffic. We had seven hours to drive. And I was like, I'm just going to do this breathwork practice, meditation practice in the car, which I normally never do. And it was called Take a Walk with Your Inner Child. And so this one was done by Lucas Mack. And he was got like, so I closed my eyes, you know, we're breathing and, and all this fun stuff. And then he started taking me back to meeting my inner child and something amazing happened where I didn't even need his prompts and guidance. Like everything just dropped in for me so profoundly that I wanted to record it. So I, I don't forget about it because it, it was so, so, so profound. And some things I'm going to share on this podcast are very, very personal. I've never talked about them before, but I am all for transparency and honesty. And, you know, anything that I talk about that's part of my journey, I feel like if I've experienced it, a lot of other people might have experienced it too. And I think it's really important to just normalize certain conversations and certain topics. So I'm going through this process and I am immediately met with my like seven, eight year old self. And I'm, so I, side note, I, always have dreams that take place in my childhood home. I grew up in Hermitage, Tennessee in a very tiny house, a little 1100 square foot house. My parents did not have much money. They were very young parents. And though I never knew that, you know, we lived not in a rough neighborhood, but kind of. And I, I but I loved it. However, most of my dreams tether me to that spot. And I've always wondered what what is holding me there. I had some really like significant traumatic things happen to me in that house, so perhaps I just haven't like cut the energetic cord. But in the beginning of this meditation, 
I was sitting, so we had um, we had this huge hill in our backyard, and my swing set was on the top of it. And so I was sitting near the swing set, cross-legged, knee to knee with my former self as a seven, eight-year-old child. And I remember exactly <laughs> like what I looked like. I was always in um, like spandex short, uh, shorts and a like a tank top. And I was muscly as could be because I, you know, did gymnastics every day and I had ratty hair and brown as a biscuit (laughs) from being out in the sun. And I sat across from myself and just like looked into my own eyes and then just started coaching this seven, eight year old girl to breathe, like to breathe with me, to close my eyes. And we were going through the protocol together that Lucas was guiding us through. And at this part of the meditation, we, I wasn't even supposed to be connected with my inner child yet, but she just popped up. So I was like, I'm following this. I'm going with this. So from there, as he's guiding us, I get up with her and I hold her hand or hold my own hand And we walked, so I had a neighbor, um, Aaron Nunnery, who lived behind me, and they had these amazing rows of pine trees that I used to climb all the time. It's actually amazing I did not break my neck, because I would climb like 50 feet in the air and just like hang out at the top of these trees. My hands would be covered with sap. And so I start climbing this tree with my younger self, and we go all the way up to the top. And it's so crazy, because just as I get to the top, Lucas Mack is like, okay, you're going to come to you know, come to a door. So I imagine we went out to the top of this tree and there was a landing there, like almost like a deck and that there was this door. And I opened this door. And when you step through this door, you're supposed to be met with your inner child and you're stepping into this white room and the most (laughs) incredible thing happened. So I opened this door, I stepped through and instead of being met with that, you know, seven, eight year old girl, I saw four different versions of myself. And it like gives me chills to think about it because it was just such a powerful vision. I wasn't trying to think or force anything, but I looked at this row, this row of me (laughs) in all different, in all different times. And the first one was me as like a little toddler. And, you know, I don't really know what I looked like then because there's not a ton of pictures, quite frankly, from the 80s um, at that age. But I saw her so clearly. I saw myself so clearly. Then I saw myself as a five-year-old. Then I was that seven, eight-year-old girl. Then I was a 14, 15-year-old girl. And I very quickly realized these versions of myself had something to do with a significant event or occurrence in my life that was probably tied to trauma in some in some way um, or another. So the toddler version, I had a lot of, um, I mean, this is super personal, but when I was a kid, like little, I had a lot of like urinary tract issues, not infections, but just like I had this like weird mental thing (laughs) with going to the bathroom. And one of my earliest memories is actually being taken to this urologist. It was a doctor I hated, this male doctor. And my mother was in the room with me and he like strapped me down to this table And without asking her permission or my permission, even though I was little, he, you know, invaded my female anatomy 
so aggressively and so painfully that I just remember screaming bloody murder. And I remember looking at my mother and my mother was just like paralyzed and didn't know what to do. And that is one of my earliest memories actually is with a male invading my personal, you know, physical space and my mother being there, but not knowing what to do or say. So that obviously psychologically had to trigger something or set the foundation for something with men and with not feeling protected by my mother and also not feeling safe in my body. And whether that's true or not, I I think like when I was looking at this little, this little girl, that was very, very clear to me. And then at five, it's funny, I've been told by a, um, a psychic that something like super traumatic and significant happened to me at five, but I don't have, I don't have any real clear recollection of that. But when I was looking at this little girl, again, the toddler version in her, they were just so shy. I used to be painfully, painfully shy, so much so that my parents were kind of worried (laughs) about me because I was just super, super shy, super, um, almost insecure with with who I was. And then I'm looking at this, you know, seven, eight-year-old girl who was a total badass, gymnast, athlete, great student. And I would often get, not often, like all the time, I would get made fun of mercilessly for my name and people mispronouncing my name or being smart and being a teacher's pet or I was often like made fun of at my gymnastics um, for, I don't even, I, like, I don't even remember, but I just remember always having this confidence in myself and wondering like, why am I getting made fun of? Um, so, you know, I was looking at her and really like remembering that version of myself. And then I looked at the 14, 15 year old version of me and boy, did I know exactly who she was and This isn't something I've, you know, talked about on the podcast. Obviously, we don't normally talk about this personal, personal um, stuff. But in my second book, Because You're Mine, I have an author's note. Uh, When I was 15, my first real sexual experience was uh, sexual assault and um, was a, a rape situation with a boy that I knew and really cared about. And he was a couple of years older than me. And... I remember, you know, I was very interested in maybe exploring my sexuality at that age. And like, you know, like a lot of girls, just kind of unclear. I didn't know if I wanted to wait or, you know, what I was doing. But this boy was a wrestler. And again, we were, I was totally smitten with him, but, but didn't really know who he was and didn't really trust him. And I remember my mother telling me specifically, even like that day, she was like, do not let him come home with you, ride the bus home with you. Do not be alone with this boy. I thought that was so odd, but I was like, yeah, okay. And sure enough, he rode the bus home with me one day and... I remember we were completely alone and I'm, I'm again, I'm not going to go into crazy detail, but I remember I went into my bedroom and he was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I was in my bedroom and I remember I was wearing my brother's socks. Like that's like so, such a weird, 
such a weird memory, but I was sitting on my bed and I, I remember having this feeling, this intuition, this gut that was just like, run, get out of your own house, go now. And I didn't. And this boy comes back to the door. He is completely naked and looks at me with the most predatory, like, dead expression in his eyes. And he, like, rushed, you know, rushed to the bed, rushed me. And I was like, what is happening? Um, Again, without sparing details, it was a very unpleasant, um, horrifying situation for me. Uh, Again, I wasn't a boxer yet. I didn't know self-defense, but he was incredibly strong. And the day, the day did not end well for me. I will just say that. But I remember after that feeling like all of this guilt and the shame that I had not listened to my mother. And because of that, that's why this happened. Because I didn't follow my intuition, that's, this was what had happened. But I was so confused because I liked him. And I was, it wasn't like some stranger. This was someone that I, I really like wanted to, to be seen and validated by. And so what ensued after that was just a a total shit show of self-harm. I became a cutter. I developed an eating disorder. I, um, I got in a, I mean, it was, it was just all dramatic. It was a very dramatic period of time. I didn't tell anyone for about six months And then, you know, all hell broke loose once I did. And my parents tried to get me in therapy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, That is all to say, I I really have worked so hard to work through that. And I have no emotional response to it anymore, which I think is um, important. But I feel like a lot of that is still stuck in my body and in, I'm sure, in my mind as well. And like, I can tell this story with no emotion, but... I know that there's just been a lot of trauma that that has occurred in my body. I've also had, you know, brain surgery and knee surgery and a 52-hour labor and just some some big traumatic events. So when I was faced with this version of myself, so all four versions, you know, Lucas was kind of guiding us and just basically asking like what we want to say to to these versions of ourselves or what they have to say to us. And I, I just remember like hugging each version of myself and just feeling this wave of unconditional love. And I, my takeaway was like, you know, you are loved, you are seen, you don't have to prove yourself so much. Stop working so hard and just embrace yourself and don't outsource your validation to any boy or man ever, ever. And be so self-assured in who you are. And again, just, it was really about like proving, doing things to prove my worth. Um, And I, especially when I got to that teenage version of myself, just reminding her that she is enough and she doesn't have to do anything that she doesn't want to do, especially for a fucking boy. And it was so powerful. So after these conversations with these four versions of myself, then we all like gripped hands and started like kind of like a a ring around the rosy almost just like dancing and laughing and being together. And it was the strangest experience of feeling like a mom 
watching these children, but realizing that these are all pieces and parts of myself. And, you know, we all tell stories about ourselves or our past or our traumas or the good times, but how often do we ever revisit these versions of ourselves and and send them unconditional love and tell them that it's okay and listen. And it really felt so cathartic and, and realizing, you know, too, all these things that happen to us when we're young, you know, we often do place blame on our parents or on our environment or on our caretakers or on our peers or on society or, or on whatever, but at the end of the day, it's like we are all capable of healing and and giving ourselves the love and forgiveness that is actually needed. And no one else can give us that. It's just us. So I, you know, spent time with these versions of myself and then like said goodbye to them one by one, rewalked through the door, went back down the tree. And then as a very powerful like close to it, I went back to my swing set. I ran down the hill. I walked through my back door and our house was so tiny. It's like you could see all the way through the house from the back door to the front door. But I walked from the back door through the house to the front door and I had the house, the house dissolved like sand as I walked out the front door. And I remember getting on a bike and right, we we lived like at the bottom of this hill on both sides. And I rode up the hill. And when I got up to the hill, the whole neighborhood dissolved behind me. And I came out of this meditation just like, oh, oh my God. I mean, it was it was so, so, so powerful. And a lot of times I think, you know, these memories that we that we keep or these stories that we keep telling ourselves or other people, they're so ingrained and imprinted in us that it's almost like we can't let them go because to let them go would be letting go a version of our younger self, um, selves. And I really felt this like beautiful release of letting all of these versions of myself go and kind of be free, like freeing them of the things that had happened to them and the things that had been done or the hurts that they've experienced or the pain that they felt or the pain that they've even caused. And it was so beautiful and so cleansing and so powerful and just was a true reminder for doing work that really matters. To me, you know, what I do for writers is incredible. Being an author is fucking awesome. But this is the work that really matters and and working on your relationship with yourself first and foremost. So as Alex and I were, you know, on this vacation, we got in some really interesting conversations around self-love and how we are not taught to love ourselves unconditionally, but more importantly than that, to have a relationship with ourselves, to have a healthy equitable, beautiful, give and take relationship with ourselves. The way that we experience us, ourselves in life is through other people and through what other people say about us and through what other people think about us. And there's no more powerful example than when children, um, you know, when you tell a child, 
God, you're a brat, or you are so messy, or you're stubborn, or why are you so angry? That then become that like subconsciously or consciously, they believe what you're saying. Receiving things audibly is one of the most powerful ways we um, learn, honestly. And our words carry such weight and they matter. And I watch my daughter sometimes, like if we're ever in a fight and I say something that is a statement about her, she believes it. And I also watch the opposite is true when she is just like, wild and free and feel so confident. And why is it that we are so quick to believe what other people say about us, especially if it's not positive? I know for me, after that, you know, oh, my whole childhood, really, I was just, I've talked about this before, but I was just like, God, you're such an angry child. You're so dramatic. You're so this, you're so that. And I felt like anytime I was being seen, was for the negative and not for all the things that I was doing well or just who I was. Like the fact that we're validated when we do something and not just for our beingness is is really at the crux of this whole thing. And it really needs to change. And so all of that being said, my work and the real work is in reestablishing that relationship with myself and loving myself and, you know, again, is like basic uh, or cheesy to some, as that might sound. Do you really, really unconditionally have a wonderful relationship with yourself? Or do you only feel good when, you know, your marriage is good or you have money in the bank or your social circle is wonderful You know, all of these things really fucking matter. And I have, you know, really been playing around with calling some things in. Like we did a, Joe and I did a podcast on community. And we said our piece about community. And I swear the moment after that podcast aired, I met all these new amazing women and all these things that I'm like, oh, I don't live in the neighborhood with kids. And I, (laughs) I noticed, like, I know that they're on the next street or some kids that live there um, in these houses. So rather than constantly complain that there are no children in our neighborhood, I decided to write letters to these two houses, not knowing who lived there or what's going on or how old their kids are. And I I put notes, like, trying not to sound creepy (laughs) in these parents' mailboxes. And about a week went by and I didn't hear anything. And then we were going on vacation. I totally let it go. I was like, I'm going to put this out in the universe and then I'm going to let it go. And as my friend Marianne Richmond reminded me, when you let it go, it shows up. And that could not be more true for, for most things in life. But I got a text. It was about a week later. We were heading out for the beach and I got a text from both parents saying like, oh my God, we'd love to meet up, you know, um, there are three girls, Sophie's age, between these two houses, um, five kids total, all around her age. And it was just that simple where I've been saying for like three years, like, oh, if only there are kids in this neighborhood. We don't live in a neighborhood with kids. Like, 
focusing so much on the lack of something versus what action steps can I take to try to get what I want? And I put that out in the universe. I let it go and it showed up. And lately that has been happening more and more where I'm I'm like, cool, this would be this would be nice to order from the universe and then just letting it go and allowing it to come in when it's ready. And the same is true for self growth and self work and really taking the time to revisit those wounded parts of yourself or the parts that don't feel loved and nourished and also just asking for what you want. So for Alex and I, you know, we have grown so much and we're such good friends and we have really figured things out. But but when it comes to really stating what we need as human beings, as sexual beings, Sometimes we don't. And lately I have been voicing what I need. You know, I need to be touched right now. I need a hug right now. I need you to ask me questions right now. I need space right now. And I'm not sure as as humans why we don't ask for what we need, why we don't give ourselves what we need, um, especially when it comes to rest and nourishment and processing time. And, you know, really just getting clear on on what it is that you need and what you can do to give yourself what you need. Not somebody else, not a therapist, not a healer, not a friend, not a spouse, but you. And I'm not saying that those people can't be super beneficial in your journey. In fact, I am treating myself in a couple of days to a wonderful healing, like an entire healing day, um, just for me, because I, I I want it and I feel like I've been working hard and I deserve it. So I'm going to treat myself to it. So healers can be wonderfully helpful on your journey, but you have to be the one to facilitate your journey. And for me, going back and revisiting these younger versions of myself was beyond powerful and pretty life altering. Actually, it was such a reminder that at the end of the day, when faced with yourself, it's you just feel when you're looking at that younger version of yourself, you just feel love, honestly. And I don't think there's much that that feeling not just saying that you love someone, but like feeling it to your bones. There's not much that that can't absolutely help and cure. And I implore all of you to take some time and go back and revisit those younger versions of yourself or that one younger version of yourself. Um, I'm going to put the awaken breathwork practice into the show notes. They do a free, I think it's like a free seven day trial and then it's like 40 bucks a month. So it is it is pricey, but I think it's totally worth it for everything that they offer. And go and take a walk with your inner child and see what comes up for you. Thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to Right Way Presents The Real Story. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on The Real Story and Right Way, visit rightwayco.com.